Hi, this is Michael Azarad. I'm the editor-in-chief of The Talk House, and welcome to part two of The Talk House Music Podcast between Janet Weiss from Slater Kinney and Meredith Graves from Perfect Pussy. Janet and Meredith come from two different generations, but they have a lot in common. They're smart, well-spoken punk rockers. At first, Meredith was asking Janet a lot of questions, but later the tables turned. Janet started asking Meredith a lot of questions, and they started to come out with some really amazing insights about each other's life and music. Listen to this. It's really cool. You're starting a solo project now, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am. I'm going to write a record this year. That's exciting. And was, what, like, I mean, I'm, like, not monogamous when it comes to bands. Like, I have a really hard time being in one band. It just is how I am. Everybody knows it. I just like to have several bands. I mean, I my whole adult life, I've had Quasi, and for most of it, Slater Kinney as well, kind of existing side by side. So I'm, like, really familiar with the impetus of loving your band, but also wanting to do something different. Um is it just is it just that? Is it just that you like want to try something different, push yourself in a different way? I am I'm also a non-monogamous band person. Yeah. I like I, I really thrive on having so many projects going at once. And for me now it's not just music, it's writing and it's running this label that I'm doing and all these different projects that I've got. But when I first started to talk about, you know, I'm gonna write a solo record this year, there were people that wanted to immediately ask the question you know what does this mean for her band right like, they think it's like mean? you're un- like you're unhappy but it's like no i'm not unhappy i mean it's kind of like what we talked about earlier where like you have to get away you can't you can't be expected to just do one thing i think i think it's for some people people like you i guess um that idea is stifling, you know, it's like, and it has no reflection on how happy you are in your current situation. It's not like, you know, whatever your relationship, it's not in that way. It's not the same, you know, it's, um, it's like the need to be, to be more and to explore like different parts of yourself. Right. And I'm also the only person in my band that's not already in another band. (laughs) Everyone else in my band is in one or more bands and is making music constantly. But for some reason, when I said it, everyone said, is this the end? And like, wouldn't everyone love that? But no, (laughs) no, you're not getting rid of us that easy. Thank Uh, you. uh, Uh Uh-uh. Yeah, no, I I understand that very deeply. Um, But yeah, people always think it means something's wrong. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's that idea of like that idea of freedom, I think is, is so important to us being happy people. Plus who the hell do they think I'm going to get to play in this other band? I only have three friends (laughs) and they're my bandmates. (laughs) So like. Here's the question. Are your bandmates going to play on your solo record? Hell yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I I don't know any, but I don't know any other drummers. You know, I guess I know you now, but like, shit, man, I got Garrett and that's about it. I started working on a new song the other day and I immediately called Garrett and was like, you know, I texted him and I just said, I hope you've got time to do a few shows with me in June because I'm writing a song and hearing your drums. Like Garrett, Garrett has a very, very distinct drum sound and I'm sure you'll appreciate this because um, he came from a sort of more, the, the other band he's in, a band called Swamps with Ray, our guitar player, is uh. A little more like post-punk. It's a little more, I think they sound like weird, you know, Mission of Burma, stuff like that. And so it's a little, it's a little slower. It's a little sparser. And when we started this band, it was kind of him being like, okay, why do I have to play this fast? (laughs) And over the last couple of years, he's gotten really, really, really fast. And so he's playing these weirdo angular post-punk beats sped up to a speed they're not usually played at. And I'm used to hearing that now. So I'm writing songs with Garrett in mind. And I had to hit him up and be like, you're, I'm assuming you're doing this, right? And he was kind of like, I don't want to tour anymore. Garrett is a wonderfully normal human being with a beautiful girlfriend that he's been with for like six years and a, a good relationship with his family. So of course he doesn't want to tour for 11 months out of the year like me. He has a nice life to come back to. So I just have to convince him a little more. But yeah, I mean, Ray has um, told me that he wants to try playing bass on it. And of course, Sean our power electronics person and and engineer recorded my old band's records. I mean, he's been working with me for like five years now. I I can't imagine making music without Sean. So maybe this will just be a different, it'll be some different people, but it'll be me with the same guys that I write with and have been writing with for years. That's my family. You know? Look at the Beatles. (laughs) 
They all got Ringo. They all got Ringo on their solo records. You know, we're we're definitely the Beatles. <laughs> come to think of it. Yeah. Well. Why not? Well, I mean, you did you did Wild Flag. Yeah. Yeah, you were in Wild Flag. Like it's the same. It's the same thing. You know. Well, it's funny because we Wild Flag started kind of I just like knowing your story just a little bit like Carrie was asked to work on a soundtrack and then she's like hey I have to work on the soundtrack like let's get together and just see what happens goof around that is literally the same way our band started yeah. I did yeah. not know that that's uh, yeah. so weird and then, and then we're like hey let's get Rebecca to come play and see what that sounds like so we like went the three of us went in the studio recorded all this instrumental music and then we're like hey let's send this to Mary who we've always wanted to play with and see what she puts on it. So we sent her a couple things. I still have these, like, demos. They're hilarious. And then she sent back some, like, really cool shit. And we're like, hey, like, this could, this could be a band. Like, let's try to write some other songs. Like, very, with nothing, like, we're going to be a band. We're going to put out a record. We're, you know, like, without all of that sort of uh, uh, legitimacy, you know, when we first just started, like, goofing around. Um, but yeah, it was for the soundtrack. And then I knew that you guys kind of started in a similar way. It's, yeah. it's a really like very organic way of starting a band. It does, it's, there's like no pressure on it, you know, and it's, um, I mean, I think that was more like for fun than a lot of things that I've done. Um, that really honestly was just like, let's do this for fun and see what happens. Yeah, and the thing I love about Wild Flag is that you just did what you did and then you were done with it. Yeah. People, people want to drag this shit out forever. Right. Like, I, know, I mean, that's ugh. something I, I really learned. Like, don't drag, like, you don't need to drag this out forever. The band is not forever. It, it never has to be. It doesn't have to be. And having that pressure of like, oh my God, what's our next record? Like, people are already asking us, like, so what's, you know what's next? I'm like, well, what's now? Like, it's now. Like, we just made this record. Um, th- it's too much pressure to just, oh, we have to, now we have to be thinking about making this next record when we're still playing the new record. You know? Exactly. I guess I just, I've had some, like, heavy things happen to me over the last 10 years, like losing friends, you know, friends dying, just life lessons of, like, don't plan it too far in advance because you may not, you actually may not get there. And we are, not to get too heavy, but we all will die. It's true. Like, just be in the moment more with your music. It's, it's, it's a better, it's a less stressful and a much, much better place to be, I think. Um, that's what I've learned. I do need you to talk the next time you're at band practice about a possible Cadillaca reunion, though. <laughs> You have no idea how much that those stupid Cadillac records shaped Meredith at 14 thought Cadillac was the greatest goddamn band that's ever existed. I just saw Shannon at the drum shop. Give me a Cadillac reunion show, please. <laughs> I, right. I need that. I'll mention it. I'll mention it to Corin. Dude, I need that. I just need I just need Slater Kinney to like when I when I because I, I was going to go to one of the New York shows and then I had to leave. I had to fly out of town for like another thing. And I was furious because I had a friend that I was going to buy a ticket from and I was so stoked. The next time you come to New York, at least you guys cover. You're my only one. <laughs> Give me that. Give 14 year old Meredith that and then I can roll over and die and everyone will be rid of me. Be awesome. <laughs> Give me a Cadillac cover. to say Corin is out of the three of us is definitely the most kind of nostalgic and sentimental I think I'm trying to say she might be the nicest (laughs) (laughs) she like Carrie and I are just we're like nostalgia for us we're like ah you know we're not going there like no way we don't we don't save anything like Corin's got a basement full of like memorabilia and like things that I'm so glad that she has but I would never I'm not a pack rat I just, I'm constantly like getting rid of stuff and cleaning things out. And, um, you know, I think almost to a fault we're like that. And I think 
we influence her to maybe not be so nostalgic and she, she kind of influences us to not be such jerks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but so she might be, I think of all of the three of us, she would be the the most open to something like that. So I'll, I'll let her know. I'm just saying it's a great idea. (laughs) I'll let her know. It doesn't freak me out at all to hear that, that you two are the ones that aren't really concerned with nostalgia because I feel like and with your your work on Portlandia and stuff, I feel like so much of the humor... I watched an entire season of Portlandia on the airplane to Australia. I, I glutton watched it in one fell swoop. Um, so much of the humor on Portlandia is sort of poking fun at nostalgia. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of throwback throwback humor, but in this like meta-meta way where you're kind of mocking that mocking nostalgia. That's very much... That's very much Carrie. You know, I think she... You know, she's she really exists in the, in the present, you know, and I don't think she's, um, you know, in certain ways you, you're appreciative of like how you got where you are. But I think, um, to her where she is in the present day is really, um, you know, she's just forging ahead, full speed, full speed ahead. So, um, and it's just, I think it's just, you're just naturally, nostalgic or you're just not you know like who who kept their yearbooks you know like I don't have any of mine yeah, high, high school sucked <laughs> like I, I don't have one yearbook I don't need like I don't want that I don't want that around um and yeah I think the Portlandia she definitely translates some of that like you know poking fun at that although you know Carrie and Corrin are like to me they're like the perfect compliments to each other they're just a weird like soulmate like I, I don't even know like I don't even know it's almost like you're twins or something you know something telepathic is going on with those two um but they're they're aside from their differences like they're they're very much like alike in some other ways like their energy is really different Corin's like really um very like well-spoken in a like thoughtful, very thoughtful, thinks about her words, thinks about what she's going to say. And Carrie, you know, Carrie is like her guitar playing. She just talks fast and, um, you know, very articulate, articulate as well, but like much quicker pace, thin and wiry and quick. And Corin's like that sort of soulful, you know, uh, thoughtful, emotional side. It's, it's really, it's a, it's a great pairing. I think I've been, you know, endlessly amused um (laughs) watching watching them together and watching them work and really like a lot of it is very mysterious and magical I'm like I don't know when one person plays the guitar part alone I'm like what song is that (laughs) I don't know what song that is and then it's like oh that's you know memorize your lines and I'm like that's your part to memorize your lines and then the other person plays and it's like oh okay now it makes sense but on its own it makes absolutely zero zero sense and it's even like I haven't even heard it like I've only heard the parts together in my head and so it's like unrecognizable when you hear one alone I mean that's pretty unique that's unusual it's got to be amazing to have had all the time you've had to work together in that triad so you can figure out your place between one of the most unique guitar pairings in music history. Yeah, I, I mean, there are times when there's just not a lot of space left over, you know, between the vocals, the two vocals and the two guitars. Um, I got to tell you, my favorite moment on the new record, though, is just that. There's this moment in uh, New Wave. Uh-huh. Where they're playing this super complicated da 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 part, and then all of a sudden, from fucking nowhere, there's this machine gun blast roll in the <laughs> background. And every time I hear that, I, it kind of makes me laugh because it's just like this weird, like grindcore move out of nowhere. <laughs> it's you're just piping up for like a split second, and then you're like, "All right, I'm going back to my thing now." And it's it's my favorite moment. There are, there are moments where I'm like, "Okay, fuck it," like I I'm just jumping in here like here I come watch out your roles are so fast yeah that's it's it's a lot to keep up with you know yeah there's a lot there's a lot of movement in those those parts and you know sometimes I I try all different angles like what's the best angle to come to come at this music um I'm really a fan of like trying a lot of different things um, and usually immediately I know like, Oh, that's terrible. Like that sounds awful. <laughs> you know, I'm like kind of in a state of like, 
uncomfortableness when I'm working on drum parts with them because it's, it is like fitting myself in, um, you know, how to be myself and communicate, you know, my personality, but also to like fit into this music to make the song really good. You know, like what does it take? What does it take? What does it take? And sometimes it just, I work on it for weeks or months, you know, and so I'll wake up, you know, in the morning and all of a sudden I'll have an idea like, Oh, wait a minute. Now I've, figured it out like it's it's not easy music to to write you know it's like it's very it's very angular and like hard hard to find the right place you know but then when you find it it's like ah I feel so thankful like oh my god finally <laughs> thank god I found the right thing yeah and then it all just kind of fits yeah so, I mean, sometimes the right thing is like yeah basically playing it really bombastic solo you know over the top of what they're doing um i i don't do that all the time but i do that is one of my that is one of my tools <laughs> i'm not afraid to, to jump out in front every now and then yeah and when you do it rules yeah <laughs> thanks it's awesome it feels it feels great i just you know like you mentioned air drumming like when i see people air drumming in the crowd like it really makes me happy like the beginning of surface envy that's it's like the third song in the new record oh yeah when i like when i we start that song and i click them in and they play like a little little intro and then i come just crashing in like like full on just smashing people over the head and the people in the front are just waiting for it. They're holding their, like, air sticks up. Yes! <laughs> Such a great moment. Like, four people across the front air drumming that intro. I'm like, okay, I did, I did one thing right. I love how stoked you are on your own band. <laughs> that makes me so happy. I hate when people play it cool. I'm constantly like throwing myself under the bus just being like, my band is the best band in the world. We have so much fun. But I'm not fucking lying. Like, it's so important to be stoked on your own band. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to be a part of something I wasn't stoked on. I, it, it would be really difficult. Especially... Something like this, where like we don't have to get back together and play more music, you know. I mean, it it has to be. We're all we're all stoked on it, you know. We all work hard on it, and we all, um, you know, we're ambitious. Like we we don't want to just be like ho hum, you know, whatever. We're not like slacker mentality. Um, I I did. I mean, I played with Stephen Malkovich for four years, and he was like the opposite, you know. He's like stoked on it, but ne would never like really admit it. You know, it's like so he invented slacker. Like that's what they do. They just, it's, you know, whatever. It's cool. It's so not me. What a luxury though. What a luxury to be able to lay back. Yeah. Now he's, he is really good at it. Yeah. And, you know, I'd be like pushing, pushing, pushing. Like, let's, 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 come on. What are we going to play in the encore? You know what? Like, let's, like, let's, let's go. Let's go. And he's like, oh my God, girl, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> at south by southwest last year i saw stephen malcolmus we played with him in the rain nice he was cool stephen malcolmus in the practice space playing guitar is like memories that i feel so lucky to have like the guy is just gifted you know he's just he's going everywhere with his playing and it was really an honor to get to just go like go to those places you know in practice when there's no no one's watching he's just being really free you know it was really quite quite amazing like quite a quite a like gifted thing that you just you just don't see people like that every day going you know like so like transforming a space into like a fantasy world yeah, we, we keep coming back to this, this idea that, like, nothing in the world is more exciting than being really excited about what your friends are doing. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, the, the, fa the fantasizing and the, like, 
imagining and reimagining um, the freedom in that. I feel like is you know that is what fuels artists and um, makes makes life worth living. You know, makes life better. Um, I can't imagine a life without that sort of, um, you know, who, who could I be? Who is that person? Who who could they be? What are, you know, what are they? That's more than just what I thought was possible. Um, you know, really like the, the basics of like, who are we as humans? And let's not just be what's expected of us. Let's try to do more. It goes the other way too sometimes. I mean, I'm wondering when the last time is that this happened to you where, you know, because it's, it's one thing when you see your friend on stage with their band and they shred and not only is the show awesome, but you're standing there in the audience going, that's my friend. And then as soon as the show's over, you get to body barrel into them and just be so, <laughs> it's excitement and pride. But when is the last time that you saw someone you didn't know shred so hard that you were like, I have to be friends with that person? Do you ever do that? Because I do sometimes. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, I'm like, I'm just, I'm, I'm like a, I think of myself as like a musician's musician. Like I, all I ever wanted was the, like, for my peers to like, you know, appreciate what I was doing. And I just, I never thought it would be like, oh, I'm going to play for a lot of people. You know, I, I just thought, wow, if that person and that band, you know, could recognize me as like a good musician and someone who's like doing something worthwhile, I'd be so happy, you know? And I think that that, you know, that definitely, even now I'll see someone, I mean, I think on a big scale, the person that I feel that way about is like someone like Nick Cave, where I like, God, I want to be that guy's friend. Like he's so cool. Our drummer is obsessed with Nick Cave too. He's blowing my mind. This last show he did here, he literally was out on the audience, like in people's arms, like holding him up. He just sang the whole show practically, uh, like balancing on people's hands, you know, and just crawling around the audience, just singing into people's faces. It was, it was an amazing moment of like, he's breaking all the barriers. Like all the barriers are gone. He's in my lap singing. Like I almost can't handle it. Um, you know, like just what, what is this live performance? You know, what is it about? And he was really challenging all of it. Um, but I also thought like, what, you know, what a cool, what a cool dude. You know, I mean, I, (laughs) I remember seeing, um, Sarah Lund from Unwound the first time I saw her play drums and I was like, I want to be friends with her. (laughs) She's so cool. And, you know, we've been friends for 20 years now. Dude, Unwound is the best band ever. Yeah, I mean, you see that band, and you're just like, who is that girl? And, like, I want to be friends with her. Like, she's, she personifies all these things that I admire. You know, she's tough. She's an amazing musician. She's a tomboy. She's, you know, obviously equal part of this, you know, three, three-way split equality in this band. Um, it was, it was I definitely had that feeling of like, yes, I want to be friends with her. I want to know that person. Such a gratifying feeling too, because it usually doesn't come from a place of when, when you can have that feeling on an even playing field and it doesn't come from a place of weird jealousy, but instead it's like, I could augment that person's life and they could augment mine. (laughs) Mutual, like consensual stokedness. This is great. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a part of what we're doing. We don't want to feel like we're just out there, you know, on an island doing this thing alone. It's context and, like, your community is so important. Your friends, you know, playing with your, you know, your friend. What are your friends doing? Like, um, you have to have that kind of, like, there's a security in that, I think, to, you know, I feel like it's just an important part of, like, the safety of, of experimenting and trying new things and knowing that like, Oh, these people who are here seeing you for the 50th time, like they know you, they're going to let you like go out on the ledge, you know, they're going to let you experiment become a, a, a different person, a different player. Um, you know, they'll be there next time too. They'll be drinking your beer and they'll be happy. Um, but you know, it's not like you're shoved out onto this national stage from the first show and like, you know, with no context and no one you know in the, in the crowd, that would be a, a lot more difficult. 
I, uh, when I first heard the new record, I was thinking about that the first time I heard New Wave. The idea of, especially with you guys coming back and not just phoning it in and doing reunion shows where you played all old material, the fact that you had to move forward and sort of make this new record, but that it wasn't necessarily about anything other than your group. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's the coolest. Yeah, it's it definitely... It's important. I think it's, I think it's important. I don't, I think it, I don't think it, like you couldn't make music in a different way, but I do think, um, as far as this band, it's a band, you know, we're like, we're all, we're on equal, we're on equal, our, our footing is equal. We're like, um, we don't all believe the same things. We don't like, you know, we're not little twins of each other. We're, we're, really independent and unique like on, on our own but there's something about us together that's um that's really special i think it's worth celebrating apparently everyone else thinks it's worth celebrating too <laughs> oh good cool <laughs> <laughs> oh good well not everybody but yeah they're you know it's it's definitely it's, it, it feels like weighty you know it feels like like this matters and it really matters to us. And it's, I see it on people's faces that it matters to them. Um, so I just, you know, I want to just like make it as good as it possibly can be and challenge people to, to make their own things um, and to feel empowered to like speak out and not be quiet and um, make a, make a racket, you know? Make some make some noise. <laughs> I mean, I I pound on shit for a living. You know, that's like, what could be better? <laughs> Very few things in the world are better than that. I'm a professional caveman. Wow, that's so <laughs> real. There's like two people in the world that can say that, and it's you and the dude in the in the Geico commercial. There you go. That's so that's so real. <laughs> I'm getting some good stage wear ideas. Is that a thing? I mean, obviously, like, I've seen some of the recent, like, I, I, I get reamed for thinking and talking a lot about fashion, but I love dressing up to go on stage. And I've seen some of the recent late night show performance videos. Like, um, one of the greatest moments in recent memory was Carrie in that all-white suit. Right? I was nuts. It's like a vintage Chanel jumpsuit. For shit's sake, how do I get that, man? That's just like a lifetime achievement unlock. <laughs> You had to save a city in a past life to get a vintage Chanel jumpsuit to wear yeah, on a well, talk show. You have to be the most amazing person in the world, which she pretty she has, much is. She has worked very hard. Hell yeah. You gotta you gotta hand to this girl. Like she she will work like she's just a she's such an incredible worker. Like I I can't even believe it. Like she, just slamming one thing up into the next thing and like she's just very creative and she's happiest like this. Like I've never seen her happier writing and acting and doing comedy and doing the band. And it's like, just go, you know? I just think it's, I, I really have never seen her happier than she is right now. So yeah, she gets the, she gets the. She gets the jumpsuit. She gets the jumpsuit. She's earned it. As, as someone that also really loves living that way, like I always have nine things going. I just think that's so excellent and admirable beyond words. To just be, and you do it too, being in multiple bands and handling everything that you guys handle, like whether it's having a family or other projects to be involved in, diversifying your investments. Yeah, no, she's, she is forging a path with that. And I, I think it's quite admirable. You know, it's really, it's something for, for young women to look up to. Like you don't have to do one thing. You can do five things and you can actually kick ass at all of them. <laughs> if that's, if that's what you want, you know, if that's, if that's. I would be too exhausted, you know? And like, I'm like a, I'm a caveman. Like I say, like she's very refined, you know, she's a great writer and, um, I kind of unafraid to like try some new, try some new things. I think it's been very advantageous for the band all these years to have someone sort of that fearless as far as, um, trying something new goes. Um, it's really been to our, you know, it's, it's helped us move forward and, and not be stuck. Um, in a lot of instances where her gumption really pushes us ahead. So I'm guessing there's not a lot of downtime when you guys are on tour. 
Well, there's like the there's like the usual. I mean, it depends. Like in New York, no, there was not a second of downtime. We had to literally put a sign on the door that said "banned only." Like we had to just lock, <laughs> we had to lock the door because all our friends are there. You know, we've got like everyone wants to say hi, and we want to say hi. But like we just needed like the 45 minutes before the show. We like lock the door. You know, put the sign up. Um, but other times, you know, when we played in Toronto, there's like plenty of downtime. Um, it just kind of, it kind of depends. I think downtime on tour is sort of important. Just like we say, you know, kind of like get your voice back or get your, get your strength back. Um, there's, there is a, there is a good balance. I mean, I think I love playing those big cities. Um, but I also like the smaller places where like you get to know the opening band, you know, finally, and the pressure is kind of off and you can sort of loosen up and like, sometimes those shows are, are, are better, you know, sometimes they're like a lot, a lot more, um, I don't know, just kind of more fun, I guess. How have your openers been on this tour? Uh, we did the whole first leg with, uh, this woman Lizzo in her band. Right. She was, she's from Minneapolis. She was amazing. And all the people who she traveled with were great. Um, it was like this, just this crew of just gorgeous, gorgeous, talented women, you know, who doesn't want to be around that, um, every day. And then her brother, Mikey did the merch and this really great drummer, Ryan played drums. Um, it was just a fantastic, fantastic pairing. We really, we really got along. It was, it was, you know, turned out even better than we thought it was going to. So in your previous incarnations in the earlier years of the band, were there any memorable tours that you did with other bands that you still think on? Well, we, we, we like to think about the fact that a lot of our opening bands went on to be huge successes. Um, that like we have some like Midas touch, I guess. Um, so there was, we took the white stripes on tour. Mm -hmm. Like I saw the white stripes, literally there were 10 people in in the audience there. No one was there. And this band's cool. And talked to their nephew, to Jack's nephew and at the merch table. And he's like, these guys would love to tour with you. Like, okay, we'll, we'll take them on tour. So there was the White Stripes, there was the Black Keys, there was the Gossip, um, there was the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs, we had to open some shows, like all these bands that we toured with that ended up being just way huger than us. Um, so we kind of, we laugh about that. We laugh with Lizzo, like, okay, you're next. <laughs> <laughs> Go get them. The Gossip is the best band ever. Yeah, I mean, we took them on tour, they, they had never played a, like big rooms at all. And I remember... Like the, I remember playing at the, um, uh, maybe it was the Roseland, some huge show, like like twenty five hundred capacity, and and wondering like how like how's Beth gonna do it? Like you know what's gonna happen? And Beth getting on stage and literally like speaking to the person in the back of the room, speaking to the people up on the balcony, like just it was so obvious at that moment. I guess she was she was born she was born to do this. Um, so that was, that was a really, really exceptional tour, getting, getting to watch them every night and watch them develop into this powerhouse, um, you know, to like grow to these big rooms so quickly. Uh, and Beth, you know, she's so, she's so real, um, that it was, it set the stage for us in like a, a really meaningful way. We were excited to get on stage every night after they played. Yeah, that's the key, too. Yeah, it's important. That's how you know it's good. Yep. We uh, have, we pretty much only tour with friends. So we've always got other diverse bands, other bands with women in them and shit, and, like, going on either after or before them, it has to be almost like a fun game. There's always, there's always the prerequisite amount of, like, fucking with each other and having a nice time. And... <laughs> but you guys also have a lot... You have festival dates coming up, yeah? We have... I think three. Yeah. Who are you of all of the bands? I mean, this is such a loaded question because how can you even, I feel like, okay, so let me backtrack because if there's one thing I love doing, it's starting six sentences and not finishing any of them. Um, do you feel as I do that we're in this loaded space in music right now? Cause I, for whatever reason, like I've been a lifelong avid music nerd mouth breather again, but I feel like right now there's some really scary, awesome stuff going on. Like there's just, it seems like there's just a lot of ridiculous good bands right now. Yeah, no, I agree. 
we're having a moment. There's like a moment right now or something. People say in interviews often like, oh, there's, there's not much going on or like, there's not, there's like, where are the people that are trying to say something? I'm like, they're all over. Like, like, you know, it, it's, I think it's just as it always was. Like there are, there are, the, the underground to me is a lot more exposed now. Like there's people sort of out in the open doing these sort of, you know, revolutionary things and, and, and fucking with, uh, what came before them, you know, and like forging new paths. So, you know, I'm, I'm excited by, you know, by the state of things now. Um, I feel like it's hard to know, like, I don't know if you, if you want to kind of just do things the way you always did things, like it's might be tough because things are really different, but I feel like as far as content goes, um, you know, people are saying a lot of really important things. So of, of everything that's going on right now, because yeah, I really do feel like we're kind of in this, in this interesting moment. I like how you said uh, specifically, you feel like the underground is being a little more exposed because that's kind of, I think what I was driving at sort of, um, who are you most excited to be playing with? Who are you most excited to be seeing? Um, I mean, I think like, Carrie kind of turned me on to that band, Run the Jewels, that I... My favorite ever. <laughs> and I just, I felt like that was so exciting, you know? like Hell yeah. Like, for me, like, po- like political, uh, you know, like, meshing, like, all of these things I really care about. Social consciousness, um, great live show, important lyrics, like, great beats and rhythm, you know, like... Um, memorable melodies like all these things that I love about my favorite bands um kind of coming together um you know your band definitely falls into that category of like this is a band that would have been absolute underground and now people are like open enough to like like let it in you know like and that's really I mean for me that's all you have to do with music even if it's challenging if you like can let it in and it can it can speak to you and be important to you you know but if you just hear something and think, oh, that, you know, I don't like something that sounds like that, it's, you know, you're never going to have a chance. Um, if someone says, oh, I don't like hip hop, it's like, well, you're like, how can you even say that? Yes, you do. Shut up. <laughs> how, how, how do you say that? You know, like, that doesn't make any sense to me. So I do, you know, I think there's, there's a lot to be excited about. I, um, I write for Rookie. And uh, we got Run the Jewels to do a part of our Ask a Grown Man series. I don't know if you've seen this. Yeah, I've seen it. It is the greatest thing. I don't know how we got them to agree to it, but it's amazing. And I have never been happier than the day that that uh, went up. That was like that was like a shining moment. That's pretty good. I, I love that video. I cherish that video so much. Oh God, it's funny and it's smart and it's, they're they're like, they seem like the best people on the planet. Yeah. They're like, they're like that. I want to be friends with those people kind of situation where you're like, Oh God. Yeah. But that's that thing I'm talking about where you see someone perform and you're like, how do I friend the shit out of you? (laughs) (laughs) How do I trick you into being my friend? It's actually, it's on my like master list of things to accomplish this year is every festival we play, I have to make a new friend because I'm, like I said, I'm actually really shy. I'm like really socially anxious. And um, my band isn't exactly warm and fuzzy. So for me to make a a concerted effort to make one new friend at every, because we've been playing more festivals this year. Um, If I can make a new friend at every festival, at every new event, if I can like have a nice conversation with someone that would otherwise scare the shit out of me, I I walk away feeling good. I really do. Well, there's always the... uh there's like where you go to eat you know and all the bands are in there that's a good opportunity so just plop down at someone's table oh no that's when the five of us curl up in a ball with all of our legs touching and drink our lunch <laughs> like that's how my band does it we we're, we were the bad kids in australia when we were i mean the laneway festival that we did in australia was the most amazing experience ever like talk about taking care of artists it was it was summer camp it was the nicest festival i've ever been to and we got to do it for 2 weeks but we were the bad kids table 
we played so early in the day that we would start drinking at like two in the afternoon. And we're all so awkward. We would just hang out with each other and make a big scene. And like, (laughs) oh, it was so funny. I tried really hard to make friends, but I always feel like I'm, this is why I don't talk to people is because I'm always the one that runs up to someone and is like, hi, you're so-and-so. I'm Meredith. I like you. Let's be friends. And people just look at me like, oh, Jesus. It's the, it's the screaming person from the, from the loud band. Please go away. It's, it's the screaming person with body odor. I'm in, I'm in like a cool hip hop band and I shower regularly. So please don't speak to me loud, hu- wet human. Like... <laughs> Like, I, I don't know how to, I'm 27 years old and I don't know how to talk to people. I always, I always, at those festivals in those artist areas, though, I always feel like I'm at a school dance. Yeah, it's pretty awkward. I'm just standing on the wall, like, trying to peel an orange and not look weird or start sweating. Like, it, it's pretty awkward. I, I've never quite gotten used to the whole festival thing. But so, certain, we did the big day out once where you, you know, it's like, in Australia, far from home. Mm-hmm. It's three weeks with the same bands. You guys, like, fly around together. That's exactly what Laneway is. Yeah, it's like the same thing. And that, and that, the summer camp vibe does, it makes for, like, after a week, you're like, okay, I've seen this person every day for a week. Like, I think we can be friends now. It makes it easier, for sure. Yeah, you get, you get your temporary festival crushes and shit. <laughs> yeah, we played, we played really early, too. We played early in, like, the blazing hot sun. Yep. <laughs> I ended up just hanging around Mars Volta and like getting a ride back with them like every day. I was like, oh, these guys, like they're dark skin, curly hair like me. Like I like these people and we became friends with them. It was fun, which I probably wouldn't have become friends with them otherwise. Mars Volta is uh, one of our band's collective favorite bands. Like that's, a, that's something we, we, everyone in our band has such diverse taste in music that when we're in the van, we really have to be careful about what we play. Uh-huh. Usually what you'll see is four people yelling to each other with headphones on. <laughs> but at the drive-in and Mars Volta are two of the bands that are like, yeah, everyone in my band is so good with this. Yeah, that's cool. They're, so they're, and they're like, what a bunch of cool dudes. Yeah? So funny. I would just be laughing. I'd just be in stitches the whole time. It's awesome. One thing that I think is important uh, in terms of conversations women have with each other, especially... Okay, so like another thing I'm noticing playing all these festivals is like you see the same bands over and over and over again. Like the the wonderful, 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 lovely person, the, the man who drums in Future Islands and I were talking about this in Iceland because we realized we'd seen each other three times in three months in three different countries. And it's this wonderful feeling where when you play these festivals, you run into the same people and you see them more outside of the United States than you do like when you're just touring around at home. And um, as women, I feel like because music, you've seen obviously recently the articles that have come out that are like, you know, here's the flyers for every major United States festival with right. just showing bands that have women in them. And it's like 13 on a festival of 100 bands, right? So as women, I feel like one of the conversations we need to have since we're all running in the same circles and playing the same festivals with all the same bands is what dudes aren't shitty. <laughs> because let's face it, like a lot of dudes in bands... Well, okay, so a few years ago, we were running a venue out of our house, and my friend Hannah was up in my apartment, and there was a band playing downstairs. It was just a random show that we booked at the house to pay the rent, whatever. And a band is starting to play, and she says to me, oh, I better go downstairs and listen to them. I said, do you know this band? She said, no. I said, uh, I know I know you, like, you paid to get in, but like, why do you feel like you have to go watch them if you've never heard them and you don't know who they are? And she said, oh, I'm just trying to support the scene. I said, okay, is, is this band all dudes? Yes. I said... Think of every dude you deal with in your day-to-day life, every dude you've ever known. How many of those dudes are not total garbage? How many of those dudes do you actually trust? And she laughed. She said, you know, like two. I said, well, given those odds, what do you think the chances are that even one dude in this band isn't a total garbage human? And she said, oh, I never really thought about it that way. So if you look at the festivals when there's only, you know, eight bands with women in them on these huge festivals. And if, if it's arguable that many dudes are garbage people with terrible politics that don't know how to talk to or deal with women and in rock and roll, you know, that's a very extreme odd. That's like a real, there's like a real chance that any random dude in a band you encounter is probably some nerdy rock and roll wiener. Like we have to have these conversations with each other where we talk about like, Oh, the Mars Volta makes me laugh my ass off. They're wonderful dudes. I love being around them. It's, 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 it's a risk assessment thing. We have to talk about what dudes in bands aren't total nerds. Yeah, well, 
there are definitely some. Yeah. I, I feel I, I wouldn't hang around a band with a bunch of fucking dickheads, you know? So, but still, it's not even so much that as it is like the perception of like, uh, that this is still somehow like a guy's game, you know, like that, that we're just visiting, you know, and like, Oh, the best records of the year were made by women, but the festival is still, when it gets dark, it's all men on stage for the most part, 90% men on stage. And it's like, I don't know. I feel like the people I know, I'm pretty vocal about like, you know, the, who the cool, the cool bands are. Like there's like 50 guys in Mars Volta. It's kind of unbelievable, but they're total freaks. You know, they're like, they're not, they're, they're like freaks and weirdos. They're not like, you know, the the jock, like privileged guys. Um, but still they're, you know, it's dark when they're playing and it's, you know, the sun is definitely out when, when we would play, you know, and even now, even now with this, like, uh, you know, coming back and people are like, oh, aren't you just cashing in at these festivals? And it's like, well, we don't want to play all festivals. We want to play, like, our own tour. We want to play a few, a few festivals. But even though, even, like, I think we get offered a lot less money than, than guy bands that come back, like, to be honest. I think it is just a place where equality is not, does not exist, you know, in this festival world. And it's like, I, I feel like I want to chip away at that, you know. Um, I want to show that all women band or women at all can be playing when it's dark, headlining, playing five in a row, the last slots, you know. Like, um, I just think that's a, it's a, that's back, that's backwards. And it's like time for that to stop. You know, it's like, come on, it's 2015. Like, it's just time for that to stop. I couldn't believe when I saw those, those, you know, like Coachella, like I, I knew it cause I played a lot of those things and I always feel like it's a total dude fest, you know, especially when it's dark. Like the amount of times I've played in the dark at a festival has been like, Oh, when I played in bright eyes, you know, like you know, not when I was doing like one of my own things. Um, but yeah, I hear you on the, like, you know, calling out the, the cool, cool dudes. Um, but I still think like a band like Mars Volta, like what a bunch of, you know, they're, 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 they're not mainstream at all. Right. They're freaks in the best possible way. Those are our people. We run towards them. Yeah, I mean, they're, you know, they're the, they're the weirdos. Yeah. <laughs> the be- one of the best ways I've found to actively subvert the patriarchy is to take their jobs and money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we got offered the Sasquatch Festival. Another band dropped out, and then we got offered the festival as a headliner. It's on a day, on a day that, like, we... <laughs> we, it doesn't make that much sense that we headline that day, you know, because we're just getting added. It wasn't like put together with us in mind, but it's like a really good opportunity. I feel like to headline a festival, you know, to like it, you know, sometimes the way you get there is not like ideal. Um, but it's important to, to, to do it and to show that it's absolutely, you know, that it's absolutely ridiculous to think that this shouldn't be happening on a regular basis. You guys are really setting so many different kinds of good examples for young musicians, I think. I hope so. I mean, it's like, I spent my very young life, like, going to big stadium shows and seeing, like, I mean, it's true, it was like David Bowie, you know, like, that was my first concert. But still, it was these huge, huge, huge shows that I, it didn't make me feel like I could do that, you know, until I got right up in a, you know, in in the band's face and, like, felt felt their sweat, you know, and, and, could watch, you know, from two feet away that I really felt like, wow, maybe, maybe I could do this too. So I think it's important, you know, to, to be compelling for people and to spark people's imagination, but also to be real enough that they could picture themselves in your, in your shoes so that they, you know, they, 
get off their ass and, and do shit. That's an enduring legacy. I hope so. To be the person who teaches you that you can do it too. Well, it's, isn't that like kind of what your parents are supposed to do? Like, I, my parents didn't really teach me that stuff. So I feel like, well, not everybody has parents that'll teach that. Yeah, did we just become rock and roll parents? <laughs> I think we might have. What the fuck would you rather be in the world than the weird big sister of punk rock? Like, <laughs> that sounds like I was, that's what I was born to do. <laughs> Is because the big sister doesn't have to be cool. She can be kind of an annoying know-it-all. And she's not right all the time, but she, her heart's in it, for fuck's sake. <laughs> be the annoying big sister that you needed when you were 14 and starting to play in bands. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I can't think of much that's better than that. What a cool thing to do with your time. Yeah, well, you know what? It's, you can't just sit around. That's not gonna, that's not gonna cut it. <laughs> Right, true. That's not going to cut it, you know? It's like, life is really is short. Like, everyone tells you that. Life's so short. Life's so short. And you're like, ah, blah, blah, blah. Life's so short. No, they're not lying. But it's absolutely <laughs> the truth. <laughs> I hate to say it, but it's absolutely true. So I just, I'm happiest when I'm, I'm, when I'm doing things, you know? And like, when there's motion and movement and I'm, and I'm like part of something. Like, that's... That's when I'm, I'm the best. I have the most to give. So I try to keep, keep that up. Yeah, it really does boil down to how much you can give. It's important. It's the most important thing. Like we talk about going on tour and feeling like, oh, you just gave it all. Like you just feel like shit. You're so exhausted and you're, you're emotionally a wreck. But would you trade it for anything? Fuck no. You just wouldn't. It's like... No, no. The, the negatives don't... Um, they don't at all compare you know to the positive yeah there's really nothing else to do but give yeah it's hard sometimes but it's very it's like i mean taking is just not as exciting <laughs> giving is where you real like you're you know to actually start something you know to start a conversation or to start a you know whatever it is, a movement, a idea, a concept, um, is, is, is really very intriguing, you know, it makes you feel worthwhile, I think, you know, or you can just pound on shit. That's, that's, can be worthwhile as well. <laughs> I just, I felt bad for the, the, I felt bad for all the girls who were like, you should be polite. You should be demure. You should be pretty. You should be, you know, skinny. You should, like, all these things that I just was like, God, this is so fucked up. Like, like I just want to be loud and, you know, direct. And, you know, I want to show that it's the alternative to that can be, you know, appealing as well and valid. There's a flip side to that coin, too, where I feel like, and I feel, I feel this amount of pressure specifically but I've, I've i've brought a lot of this on myself but still where you're expected to be outspoken and political and in people's faces and forthright and you have to you have to speak for lots of people all the time which basically means watching your own ass 24 7 to make sure you don't ever say anything out of line and sometimes i just want to fuck shit up I just want to be loud and like bleed from the head and like jump into the audience, you know? Or, like dressed really pretty, you know? Like mm -hmm. I can see like with your, like you're very fashionable, you know? You're, like, Thank you. Very creative <laughs> and very fashionable. And that is a lot of like what makes people, you know, they're drawn to the, the like the way you look and the way you sound and what you're saying are so like there's such a complex web of what's happening. It, it's it's multifaceted, you know. It's like there's many levels happening at once. Well, you guys dress great too. I mean, and I I think what you're saying, like the sort of responsibility in that, um, what a great what a great thing to have, you know. Really, honestly, is like people are looking to you, you know, they're looking to you to like help them understand. Um, and you, you have shown them that you are a, a leader, you know, that you are someone who is willing to take risks and, and try all these different things. And I can see how to you that might feel like expectation, but I think 
you're leading the conversation and that's that's really ultimately what matters is that you're not you know you're not in response to what people think of you you're you are your own human and I think that comes across really in spades and although it might feel like sometimes you just want to you know whatever get drunk and be stupid um the fact that people look up to you in that way is is really it's 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 very important and it's it's very you know it's I don't know I feel like a lot of people would just die to have that authority you know but it's something that definitely has to be earned and, um, it's, you know, at such a young age, I think it's very impressive that you, you've earned that kind of, um, you know, respect and, and like trust from the people who listen to your music and read your, read your words. Yeah. I, I know how, I know how lucky I am. It's very cool. I definitely know how lucky I am. It's very cool. Thank you for saying all that nice stuff. Yeah. You're allowed to be like, I just am so happy to see a complex woman, you know, being, uh, you know, ha- having people look up, look up to you and look to you for, um, ideas and, you know, what, you know, what's Meredith doing? What, how does she, <laughs> how, does she, how does she feel about this? You know, it's, it's, it's really what we're working for. You know, it's like what all this work is, is, is paying off to me. That's what it looks like from my perspective. Well, it's not like I would even be able to do an iota of what I do now without the space you guys made for me and people like me. Yeah. Well that, I mean, that was, that was like, I guess for me, you know, it's like to see you is just so it's feels so great, you know, like, like, wow, we are making a lot of, of strides. We really are. And, um, you know, we still don't have like equality, which is the ultimate goal. Um, but I think we are, you know, we are definitely opening a lot of eyes and it's, it's good work. And we can be equal to each other. We're also showing that there, there, there's this, there's this false concept that there's only room for one woman. Oh yeah, no. And that's garbage. We're we're consistently making room for each other. And if we're not equal to society writ large, we're showing that we can be equal to each other, which rules out this this fallacy, pun intended, of female competitiveness. Right. Well, I think that. I mean, I think our our band, you know, just in a very basic level, just like you know, destroyed that idea a long time ago. Hell yeah. Thank you for doing that, by the way. Thank you for doing that. It's, it's three equals, you know, and very respectful of the, the talents and the, uh, ideas and, you know, the differences between us are as important as the similarities, um, and contribute to this sort of powerful equality that we have. Um, so I'm glad that that, that, you know, people feel that because it's definitely, that definitely exists. Yeah. Powerful equality is the end goal, I think. Yeah. We're getting there. Slowly, but surely. (laughs) We're getting there. One disproportionately booked festival at a time. (laughs) (laughs) One late night television appearance in a Chanel jumpsuit and one shitty lineup (laughs) at a time. You and me and everyone we know. Wow. I can't think of a better ending to this than that. <laughs> you, you just, you, you, you started it off great and you summed it up perfectly. I'm here for you. <laughs> Good job. This is Michael Azarad, the editor-in-chief of The Talk House. You've been listening to The Talk House Music Podcast with Janet Weiss from Slater Kinney and Meredith Graves from Perfect Pussy. Our engineer was Elia Einhorn. For more Talk House Music Podcasts, go to thetalkhouse.com slash music. Talkcast music podcast. Boy, it's a lot of syllables. Okay, you ready? Ready. Okay, hey, this is Janet from Slater Kinney. Uh, thanks for listening to the Talkhouse music podcast. Hope you liked it. <laughs>